I remember when I was 19 years old, I was, a, uh, I was in between my freshman and sophomore years of, uh, of college, and I was working at this little Baptist church in Princeton, Indiana, and that Sunday night, they um, wanted me to, uh, to preach that night, the pastor wanted me to preach, and, um, and to lead worship in the same night, and the service was 35 minutes long and we were done. It was just too much for one person to do. Um, and so um, thank you for, um, for taking that um, off my plate. You did a wonderful job, and... And thank you so much for blessing us with leading the music. And real quick, I have one quick announcement um, pertaining to the youth group this evening. Um, the cornets we're going to host tonight, uh, but the cornets are sick. And so um, if you are a high schooler, we will be meeting here tonight um, at 6.30. Um, and we will be continuing through James. We'll be reading uh, James 5 tonight. So if you show up at the cornets' house, they might not answer the door. Um, so come here, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be here this evening. Our text this morning comes from uh, John, the book of John, chapter 10, and we'll be focusing on verses 7 through 11, um, but I want to read verses 1 through 18 to set up um, our context here to kind of get this whole conversation um, out in one breath, and then we'll spend our time focusing on verses 7 through 11, where Jesus says that he is the door of the sheep, and once again states that he is the good shepherd. Verse 1 reads, truly, truly, I say to you. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. God, I ask that you would now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, make your word come alive to us this morning. God, that we might receive your word as nourishment for our souls. God, you are good. May we see your goodness this morning in your word. 
God, I ask that you would protect this conversation, God. Guard them, this, con- this congregation, God. Protect them, guard them from my sin. God, guide, guard them from my biases, my opinions, God. God. May it be your word that is preached this morning, God, your word that is received. And we say these things in your son's name. Amen. As we enter into this text, um, I want to, uh, to get in mind this idea um, that as, as human beings existing with other human beings, we are used to being disappointed and we're used to being betrayed and we're used to being lied to. Um, that in our sins, um, we inevitably break our vows and we break our promises. Uh, in our sin, we are naive when it comes to other offers that are given to us. And we even um, have these sayings like, if something sounds too good to be true, then, then what? It probably is, right? If something sounds too good to be true, then it probably is. That we are inherently suspicious of good offers because this world and its fallen nature has trained us to be really suspicious of really good offers. Is that true? Um, I even think about the, uh, the door-to-door salesmen that come to our, our, um, our house in Woodland Beach and they've just put windows up or a roof on somewhere in the neighborhood. And they say, you know, we, um, you know, we just put windows on such and such house down the road and, and you look like you could use new windows. Thanks. Um, and, um, and, we, and we would like to offer you a free estimate, you know, for, for these windows. Well, you know, we, we have an easy answer because we rent our home and, and uh, you know, we, we're renters and sorry, you know, um, what was the landlord here? No, most landlords don't live here, you know, in the house where you're renting. But, but um, so we say no. But, um, but the, the free estimate, of course, that's all that's free, right? What they really want is to spend you know, is to find something wrong. And, and it's fine. Them doing that is fine. There's nothing wrong with what they're doing. Um, you know, other than they almost always come we're putting our kids to bed. I don't like that. But, um, but there's nothing wrong about it. But we understand inherently that they're using the word free to get in the door. And then once they're in the door, um, once they're in the door, you know, it's, it's no longer free. But it gets even worse than that, doesn't it? Um, Bruce Springsteen, as many of you know, I am a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, um, wrote this song called Black Cowboys. Um, and it was the first song, I, I'll never forget, it's the first song to ever make me cry. I, I, I'm not a crier usually, but this song actually made me cry. Um, and um, it's, it's about this young African-American boy who lives with his mother. Um, she's a single mother, and it's just him. And they live in the inner city. And they're in a dangerous neighborhood, and so every day after school, she makes him come straight home. He's not allowed to have friends. He's not allowed to play outside. Um, he just has to come straight home to do his homework and spend all this time with his mother, who loves him very much. And um, to compensate for his lack of recreation, she buys him Western videos and um, Western movies, and he sees all these Westerns, and he grows up seeing these Westerns and, and daydreaming about what it would be like to live out in the West. And then one day, um, his mother brings her boyfriend home to live with her, who is also her drug dealer. And she becomes drugged out and um, forgets about her son. And at the end of the song, um, the boy decides to move out west um, because the only influence he had in his life, his mother, who promised to love him and to take care of him and to protect him, failed him and betrayed him. 
Many of our lives are marked with hurt and abandonment. We've been used by people who promised us good things. We've been berated and made to feel like perpetrators when we were victims. And we've been sadly disappointed to the point that we ask, can anything be free? And can anything be as good as it seems? And here in this passage, Jesus redeems us. And as he redeems us, he also redeems our understanding of what it means for someone to make a promise to us and to keep it. And what it means for someone to offer us security and to mean it. That what we see here as Jesus being the door and the good shepherd is that he is making us an unbreakable promise that you will enter by me and I have secured it and I have taken care of it. And therefore, my promise to you is completely unbreakable. And this means a lot in the context of where we are. This is coming in the context of of Jesus having this conversation with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were the oppressive religious elite of their day. And they were dead wrong. And they wanted everyone to think that they were completely right. And if you've ever been in a situation where where the people who were supposed to be looking out for you um, were dead wrong but we're convinced that they were completely right. You understand how oppressive that really is when you're being used up and not loved by the people who are supposed to be taking care of you and protecting you. These people, the Pharisees, truly were the hired hands. The hired hands that Jesus is speaking of here in John 10 who cared nothing for the sheep. Jesus is healing the blind. He is healing the sick. He is casting out demons. And the Pharisees want to turn all of that into nothing more than a theological argument. When these are people and faces and real diseases, real afflictions that Jesus is, 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 is healing, real demons that Jesus is casting out, real people that Jesus loved. But the hired hands, the Pharisees, cared nothing for it. It was nothing more than fodder for a religious argument about whether or not Jesus himself had a demon, what power he, he, you know, he, he freed people by, that when Jesus heals the blind man in, in John 9, they consider it an affront to them. Are you saying we're blind? And we worship a God who says this, that as I secure your salvation, as I secure your relationship with the Father, I will use no hired hand And there will be no thieves and robbers. I will do the work myself. And because I have done it myself, Jesus says, it is secure. And no one can take it from you. We see in verse 9 that Jesus himself is the door. It says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. We see that there is no salvation through anyone else in this world besides Jesus Christ. Now, oftentimes when we think of there is no salvation in any other name besides Jesus Christ, we rightly go to John 14, 6, which says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. And oftentimes when we, when we, when we read that verse, what we're thinking is this, is we're using it as a... Um, as a proof text, when we're arguing against postmodern people who want to say there's lots of ways to go to heaven, you know, that's, where we, that's how we typically use this verse is, you know, well, you know, the, um, the Universalist church down the road says you can go to heaven by being Muslim or being Christian or being, but we don't believe that because, because Jesus says that you have to go through him to be saved and he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
And certainly it is true that Jesus' name is the only name by which man can be saved. But let us read the wonderful, unbreakable promise that is occurring here. That it is Jesus Christ himself who has secured your salvation when salvation was not otherwise possible. That's love. That's beautiful. That's more than just fodder for an argument. It is the gospel given to us that while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, with no way to salvation, with no way to salvation, Jesus Christ died for the ungodly and became the door of the sheep through which we are saved from thieves and robbers and wolves and hired hands who care nothing about us. You see, often when we think of the exclusivity of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the only way to go to heaven, we, our minds think, well, that's very narrow, that God must have shrunk the deal, right? That, that, well, why didn't God make a lot of ways to go to heaven? Why can't, well, well, here's the thing. Jesus Christ, being our way into relationship with the Father, is expanding the deal. Apart from Jesus Christ, there is no way into heaven. Now, we think in terms of exclusivity as excluding others. But the exclusivity of Jesus Christ is the most inclusive good news we could ever hear because there is no other good news, no other way to salvation but through Jesus Christ. It is substantial that Jesus Christ is the door. He is the door of the sheep. He does not show us the door. He does not give us instructions to find the door. Jesus Christ himself is the door. And why is that significant? It's significant because we can't mess it up. I um, tend to, uh, to, to, to uh, dream very vividly. Um, and um, I had this recurring nightmare uh, when I was younger um, that I would die and um, it would go before the judgment seat of God. And... and um, and they would say, why should we let you into heaven? Well, I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. Well, actually, there was a clause that you missed. Have you ever had that dream before, that thought? Where, like, you go to heaven and there's something that you, um, like, you, you, um, like you said the spell wrong or the incantation wrong. Or you, um, you did the one thing that was going to disqualify you. Um, or you misread the directions. Um, Romans 10.13 is amazing. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus says, no one else can do this, so I'm going to do it myself. Nothing else is good enough. I will become the door of the sheep. I will do this myself. As we continue reading in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Continuing into verse 10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. 
the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. As I was preparing um, this sermon, I was, um, was intrigued by this idea um, of finding pasture as we go in and as we go out. That there is the idea that, that the Lord secures us behind the door of the sheep. That, um, that as we come into the sheepfold, the Lord has secured us behind the, behind the door, which cannot be penetrated by anyone else, by any thief or robber, by any wolf. But we also see this, that we go in and we go out to pasture. And that as we are out to pasture, Jesus reminds us again in verse 11 that he is the good shepherd. And that as we are out in the field, as we are out in the field, Jesus Christ lays down his life for the sheep. And I was amazed by this, that in all seasons, at all times, the Lord secures us. That in this life, as in the next, the Lord is preserving us, the Lord is persevering us. He is seeking our safe deliverance. He is seeking our safe passage from this life to the next. That the Lord is is protecting us from the wolves that would murder us. The wolves that would snatch up our souls. That it is the good shepherd who sees the one sheep who is straying too far. And the Lord goes and gets them. That we as sheep in this life, as we are out at pasture as we are out in the field, we need a good shepherd to lay down his life for us and to protect us because this image of sheep um, is really poignant. I don't want us to miss this, okay? Because, because sheep are dumb and I think that there is a point here that is being proven. That we as, um, we as, um, as humans, you know, we like to consider ourselves smart and successful and wise. Um, but we are only smart and successful and wise insofar as we compare ourselves to other people. And even then, there's a lot of uh, being really delusional um, that occurs there, okay? Who here has been in a room and at some point in time, I'm going to raise my hand because it's true, but I mean, I thought to yourself, I am the smartest person in the room right now. Raise your hand if you thought that. <laughs> oh, just me? Great, great. <laughs> yeah, I haven't either. I, um, um, I've never thought that either. Um, I thought, man, I am the smartest person in the room right now. I'm the wisest. I'm the only person right now who gets it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for raising your hand. I, uh, I'm the only person in the room who gets it right now. I'm the only person who understands. Um, I work with high schoolers for a living, and high schoolers, I love you so much, and I'm so glad to be here with you. Um, um, but you're just like adults in that you're not half as smart as you think you are. <laughs> that you think um, it's time for you to, uh, to cl- create your own path, to make your own path, that you can look out into the fields and believe that it is safe um, further away from the good shepherd. That you believe you can find good pasture. You believe you can find safety and adventure for yourself. But our foolishness is evident compared to the good shepherd who sees our foolishness who sees our sin, who sees our desire to wander and still lays his life down for us because he loves us. 
The abundant life discussed here. The abundant life promised here. is found by following the good shepherd who lays down his life to persevere us and to preserve us and to lead us to good pasture. That is the abundant life that is found by clinging to the good shepherd. You can imagine... um, You know, a sheep who only seeks to survive and his survival instinct drives him to places where he shouldn't go. And his need for a leader, his need for a shepherd, his need for instruction, his need for care, and his need for protection from the one who loves him, who is not hired a hired hand, um, but considers that sheep his kin, considers that sheep his own, that he knows by name, and therefore we see that the abundant life is an unbreakable promise. And this is why the abundant life, the good life, as God understands it, is an unbreakable promise. Because when we are in danger of losing our lives in Christ, the good shepherd lays down his for us. That the death of Jesus Christ on our behalf, has secured life for us as we seek and find good pasture, as we cling to the good shepherd. And this is why we trust the good shepherd. This is why we trust him, is because he has done so much on our behalf to secure us. This is why we trust him, because he has done so much on our behalf for us, because he loves us. We understand this, that if the good shepherd would lay down his life to secure my soul in eternity and to secure my my soul here in the present then he is worth following and worth obeying and worth trusting in the here and now, as good as the rest of the world might look. As good as life might look away from the good shepherd, the good shepherd has been good to me. He's not just good in some sort of um, um, ambiguous sense of the word good. He's not just good because he's morally upright. He's not just good because he's God, even though he is good because he's God, but God has chosen to love us and to show his goodness. He is good to us. It's amazing that the God of the universe would love people as foolish as us who are so foolish that the best analogy for us is sheep who tend to wander. But God loves us and knows us by name and calls us to an abundant life of following him. And as we see that following the good shepherd who secures us and lays down his life for us is the abundant life, that we see that following him is that abundant life, it tends to to refocus how we read certain passages. We have the Great Commission, which most of us see the Great Commission as saying this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. But what we forget is that wrapped around the Great Commission, before it, And after it, our promises of the good shepherd going before us and laying down his life for us. It says this, Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. And at the end it says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That when God commissions us 
out into the field to be obedient to him, he only does so because he goes with us and before us and has laid down his life for us. The abundant life is an unbreakable promise. We go forward in the Great Commission, though it is terrifying. We go forward into the life of righteousness, even though it is terrifying, because we understand this, that the safest place that we can possibly be is right next to Jesus Christ. And everything else that looks safe only looks safe because we are foolish. It only promises riches because we are foolish. So Martin Luther writes, The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still, his kingdom is forever. When we do not follow him, though we may face the dangers of the wilderness in the form of scars and blood and bruises, our souls will not be lost. For the good shepherd will seek after us. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that beautiful? That when we stray the furthest, Jesus keeps coming for us. It's a beautiful promise, isn't it? Therefore, the door of the sheep frees us from our fear of betrayal and frees us from our insecurities, frees us from fearing having the rug pulled out from underneath our feet because Jesus is not a thief or a robber. Jesus makes no false promises. Jesus never just says what you want to hear in order to get you to go along with what he wants you to do. When Jesus says something, it stands for eternity. And he is not a hired hand. Jesus Christ is God himself, God the Son, one-third of the Trinity, who has come to redeem the people that he loves. And he will do the work of securing his sheep. How many times have you been desperate and hurting and longing for acknowledgement from the one person who you think their acknowledgement, their word, their touch could heal you, could heal your hurts? Jesus sees our wounds, He sees the brokenness of our condition. He sees our addictions. He sees our sins, our habits. He sees our scars. He sees our pain. He sees the brokenness of our relationships. He sees our laziness. He sees our reluctance to do the right thing. He sees our rebellious hearts, our desire for freedom from all authority, not just his authority. Jesus looks at all of that looks at us, says, I will know you by name and I will love you. And I will heal you. And I will do it all myself. I will be the door to salvation. 
I will be your good shepherd who secures you in the field. I will be your protection. I will be your security. I will redeem your trust. I will give you a new heart. I will love you as no one else in this world has ever loved you. And I will never stop loving you. Amen. Let us pray. God, help us to see. (laughs) Help us to see these wonderful truths. You are invisible to our eyes. We are a people who tend to only believe the things that we can see. So God, we ask that your spirit would write your comforting, sustaining, and securing love upon our hearts. God, that though this world tempts us, God, that though we are tempted by thieves and robbers, God, though we would cling to hired hands, God, that we would instead cling to the only one who can secure our souls and love us and know us by name. God, you dignify us. God, by being the God of the universe who loves us personally. God, may that be our boasting. God, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. God, I pray that anyone in this room God, who has not clung to your free gift of grace and mercy and love, God, God, who still seeks to God, to climb over the fence, to get in some other way. God, but simply submit and repent of their sins and see that you have forgiven us. God, that you are the door. God, and through you we might be saved. God, may you write this upon their hearts as you continue to write it upon ours. And we say these things in your son's name. Amen.